Hello everybody uh, and Kia Ora. In today's webinar, we will talk uh, about the development of a new test method uh, to evaluate uh, the writing performance of polymer modified binders before they are used in road construction. We have almost 300 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads and I will be moderating today's session. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Paitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Program, which is managed by Rose Gapi. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. So our presenter will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The report and the slides today's session uh, is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any stage during the webinar. If your question relates to any particular slide, please include the slide number uh, in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Um, you can also use that same questions box uh, to let us know if you have any technical problems. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session by your email registration usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available um, on our website. And if you listen to podcasts, you can find um, Austroads in your podcast app. And our presenter for today is Jan Choi. Jan is a senior technology leader at the Australian Road Research Board. Um, over the past 15 years, he has been contributing to numerous Austroads research projects um, on bituminous binders, including the development of Australian performance-based tests um, and specifications for binders, um, long-term aging tests for sprayed seal binders, crumb um, rubber binders and um, warm mix asphalt technologies. Young has been involved in the preparation of over 25 published Austroads technical and research reports on these topics. Uh, welcome Young and over to you. Hello everyone, um, you see the, um, my slides? Yep. Yes, we can see you and hear you well. All right, thank you very much, Katrina. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, Thank you everyone for joining uh, my presentation today. Uh, hopefully this is an interesting one. Um, let me start my presentation uh, by introducing the project team first. Okay. The project team consisted um, Austro's project manager, John Esnob from DOT Victoria, technical leads at ARP were myself and Dr. Robert Ducart, who was also the um, quality manager of the project. The review team, uh, review team and technical guidance team uh, consisted of Austro's bituminous surfacings technical group, BSTG, and then pavement, ta pavement task force. A bit of introduction to the BSTG. Um, it includes um, a number of SRA members representing um, different road agencies um, in uh, different regions. 
which includes New Zealand. And also includes an industry, a number of industry members uh, representing different uh, companies place, uh, located in different regions. Okay, project background and objectives. Um, for, for road construction and maintenance, uh, we want to use performing binders. Okay, Australia and New Zealand combined uh, purchase about $1 billion worth of bituminous binders annually. Australian dollars. And so this is, isn't something that we can take lightly. I mean, no one wants to purchase binder products and construct the road, and then it fails within one year. To ensure only quality performing binder products are used for road construction, Australia has developed performance-based specifications. For non-modified bitumen, we have a standard Australia AS2008, and for polymer-modified binders, we have Austro's ATS3110 specification shown in the um, in this slide, the cover page of the specification. So ATS3110 is a performance-based specification because it includes two test methods to evaluate rotting performance at high road temperature, known as consistent 6% at 60 degree, and also cracking performance at low, te low temperatures, known as stress ratio at 10 degrees C. The rotting performance is the subject of this presentation. Okay, so moving on to the um, rotting performance. Um, the specification evaluates the rotting potential of PMBs by conducting consistent 6% at 60 degree tests. Okay, that is because Australian studies have demonstrated that this binder property can rank the rotting performance of different products when they are used in asphalt mixes. So the graph shown in the slide is just one example that how the binder property is related to the asphalt mix performance depending on the number you get uh, by conducting the binder test. Um, whenever we conducted um, this uh, binder mix performance studies, we also evaluated the other international binder rotting parameters, uh, famous one like US uh, PG specification, G star of sine delta, and their latest invention like MSCL test. So we are keep we, we are we continue using the consistent six percent property because we found that it's better than other parameters. Okay, currently. Consistent 6% test can only be conducted using the ARB elastometer. It is a purpose-built test used in Australia and not any uh, not anywhere else. Um, I mean, uh, New Zealand, uh, this device is not used in New Zealand as well. Okay, that may be the trouble. So the test itself, the consistent 6% test itself, is has no issues. Uh, as a, rotting, a robust rotting performance indicator, but the device, the ARB elastometer, is not manufactured anymore. Uh, a company called ARB System used to be its sole manufacturer, but their position was that uh, the number of expected, expected sales of device cannot justify the investment required. Um, that was pretty um, convincing reason because uh, I mean, no no companies would be interested in manufacturing some products that 
that they cannot sell. Right? That's simple as that. So even though the elastometer, the functions of elastometer has been out, outstanding, we have to say uh, goodbye to the elastometer, whether we like it or not. Okay. So that's where this project came. So we knew the we know the importance of uh, measuring the um, rotting performance before the construction, but the device is not available to conduct such tests. So therefore, we want to find an alternative sustainable test device which can conduct the same consistent six percent test, so that the rotting performance um, of PMBs can continue, even though elastometer becomes obsolete in the near future. For that purpose, we thought the DS dynamic shear rheometer is going to be the candidate uh, device. That is because the um, elastometer was developed for to characterize complex viscosity of PMBs. Complex viscosity of PMBs, whereas um, DSR was also developed for the same purpose to measure the viscoelastic property of different materials. Main benefits of DSR is that it is used um, widely across the world, and there are just so many different units, uh, different um, DSRs used in the in the world at present, and there are several global manufacturers producing the uh, equipment. Okay, so there will be no issues with the supply of equipment like the case of elastometer. Okay, the project overview. Uh, it was a two-year project started in 2019 technical guidance by PTF and BSTG. The main project outcome is was the um, project report um, published um, published some uh, published last month uh, which includes information on the um, um, how the new DSR test method was developed and more importantly the information on how to conduct consistent 6% test using a DSR instead of elastometer. The report, you can download the report from the OSTRO's website anytime. And the project um, also included some extra tasks uh, to update the following four OSTRO's test method. Um, main point is that you can download all these new versions of test method from the OSTRO's website. Okay, let's move on to the, um, the research work, starting with the research review. So the idea of um, the idea that the DSR test property may be able to be related to elastometer was not new. Um, studies conducted by myself about 10 years ago found that there were relationship between DSR complex viscosity, a 60 degree result, and elastometer consistency results for a selected range of bitumen and PMBs. Okay, so based on this finding. Uh, TMR set up a project some years ago to conduct more comprehensive study to relate DSR result and elastometer. For this uh, later study, uh, it was a bit more targeted study that instead of just comparing the DSR numbers, we wanted to optimize the DSR loading conditions to mimic the um, elastometer shear rate conditions. That approach appeared to work for quite a lot of binder because we found a fairly good correlation between DSR complex test, complex viscosity test result and elastometer test result. But when we conducted more study, more in-depth studies, and produced more 
results for extra some extra binders. Those binders were markedly deviated from the overall trend. So that test method only seemed to work for some binders, not for all binder. And we did not, we did not know the reason why it's happening. So the main conclusion was that, uh, okay, we need to understand the DSI property uh, in terms of uh, elastometer property more thoroughly. Otherwise, um, we, we, cannot, uh, we cannot resolve this problem, okay? Which basically led to this Ostros project. Okay, just showing the um, the finding of the previous study. Um, so we compared the poor range of binder, quite a range of binder. We compared their elastometer consistency properties, and we compared their uh, candidate consistent six percent property measured using DSR, which is basically complex viscosity at sixty degree. And it's so we thought we are getting good results. As you can see, quite a many number of the binders are placed around the line of unity, means the DSR and elastometer is the same number. But when we conducted further study, for some reason, we found the correlation does not exist anymore without knowing why. Okay. Right, so um, let's uh, come back to the current research work. Um, it's about to start the, the research work, but we need to prepare for the development first. Okay, uh, first step of the preparation was the selection of binders. We have collected 23 samples altogether. The aim was that um, by using these 23 samples, let's aim to represent all binder types. That was the goal of this step. So the binder set included all ATS um, Australian standard grade PMBs, which includes a samples of asphalt grade PMBs such as A15E or A35P, another eight samples of sprayed ceiling grade PMBs known as S10E, S45R, etc. Um, and we um, check the components of these grades because we need to make sure these samples are appropriate to represent their grade and most of the samples conformed. But uh, we found um, some products were non-conforming but thought that that actually is going to be better uh, for research purpose because we want test method uh, works for all binder, not just conforming binders. So we, we included these samples, even if they are non-conforming. Included three lab blend chrome rubber binders, uh, rubber content range from nine to 8%, 18%. Um, these are very just common type of binder and is used widely in, across Australia, so we have to include this type of uh, binders. And it's, their use is expected to increase in the future because of the sustainability issues, um, which is hot at, uh, in Australia at the moment. We have included two Australian standard conforming bitumen samples, C class C170, class C320, um, to represent non-elastic binder. The elastometer tests are normally not required for bind bitumen samples, but we included bitumen samples nonetheless because we thought it can represent the ultimate case of low modification, which you can call it a zero modification. Okay. One um, unclassified binder product was included in the binder set uh, named binder H. It was a binder modified with waste plastic and chrome rubber binder. This type of binder is not currently specified in the standard, but um, 
it may be included in the future because it is currently used. Um, included one experimental binder. I just named it super elastic. It was a binder specifically, specially formulated to represent an extremely elastic material. Um, it was uh, manufactured by adding quite a uh, amount of an oil into a commercial S25E binder, which is quite uh, elastic, very elastic, but by adding oil into it, we made it more elastic as well as very soft. That is the property that is normally not observed for a uh, common type of binder. So we created this fairly unique binder to make sure the, um, the test method works for all binder. Okay, now the sample is ready, move on to equipment. Um, for the elastometer test, obviously we use standard equipment, uh, equipment uh, available at the laboratory. Um, it's routinely been checked for its, um, its accuracy, it's all good. And this device was used for the previous TMR um, you know, DSR elastometer study. So we thought this is a good device to use. Uh, all elastometer tests were conducted as per the standard, except that um, tests were conducted in triplicate instead of normal uh, duplicate or even singlet, just to make sure. DSR. Uh, we used an Anton Pat ESR MCR302 for this project. Uh, it was a DSR purchased by ARP in 2017 before the project was set up. Okay. It was a mid-range model among Anton Pat's DSR range and was recommended by testing of uh, binders. The model was launched in 2011, so it's not like a, anything like a, their newest model or anything. It's a very common model. And one of the goal when we conducted the research into DSR is the one of the aim was to use only standard standard manufacturer supplied components. Okay, for research purpose, you can always use custom order parts, but we thought that's the contingency plan. Uh, we should focus on the standard first, and if it doesn't work, move on to custom order. But that didn't happen for this project. We saw it's a mid-range model developed a decade ago, so their function would be very similar, uh, very similar to the other DSRs available in Australia, uh, which were sold by different companies, mainly um, NSEC Group uh, and TA Instruments. They are all operating in Australia. Okay, the equipment ready. Uh, now moving on to test specimen size and setup. Right. The, during the development of elastometer, an important design factor was that we need to have a large size specimen. That was because of the chrome rubber binder, which I already said that are very common in Australia. We know that the um, chrome rubber binder contains rubber particles above about one millimeter or sometimes two millimeter. And it's a kind of common sense that you don't want to squeeze this type of binder into a very small gap. Otherwise, um, the rubber will be squeezed. Basically, you are measuring the property of rubber, whereas you want to measure the property of binder. Okay, So that, that design principle was very important and therefore resulted in a large standard mold size for elastometer tests known as mold A and B, which have five, five to 10 millimeter gap. And we saw that um, the new DSR test to replace elastometer should have the should um, 
should, should have this attribute because we we cannot just ignore the Chrome Rubber Binder. It's going to be our commercial common products. We have to be able to test Chrome Rubber Binders out of question. Okay. So that is, was a problem because for the SR test, the most common type of setup was parallel plate setup. Okay. Uh, two parallel plates and the sample sandwiched in between and do the testing, that's the parallel plate setup. Um, but the trouble with this setup was that um, you can only create testing gap of one or maximum two millimeter with this setup. And we already know this is not going to be enough to contain chrome rubber binders because of the rubber particles, okay? So even though uh, this setup is the most common type, which means uh, this may be the cheapest setup available for DSR test, we have to do this. Uh, it's not available for our project. It's not suitable for our project, okay? So we need a different setup. So did some investigation and found that the DSR carbon bob setup could provide a sufficiently large gap of testing, which is comparable to five to 10 millimeter gap used in elastometer tests. Um, one thing was that um, even though the Cobb-Bob setup is not used for binder testing normally, it is very commonly used for other, other material, other liquid material like engine oil and other stuff to conduct uh, rotational viscosity tests, which means it's very readily available. One trouble was that um, the Cobb-Bob setup typically used for that kind of liquid sample has very small gap, like one millimeter, which basically has the same issue as the parallel plate. Um, okay. As you can see, um, this is a common setup used for those kind of tests. But by just replacing this bob with a smaller size bob like this, you can create the a large gap, about 60 millimeter, no, no problem, uh, very readily. Okay. So, this idea is not new, and um, I have found that some studies conducted in in the U.S. for the purpose of characterizing chrome rubber binders used exactly the same idea. So it wasn't me thinking the same thing. Other people also thought the same thing. Okay. The chosen setup for the project was therefore a Cobb-Bob setup that provides a testing gap of 6.1 millimeter which I thought is very comparable to five, 10 millimeter gap in elastometer. And this one only used the standard accessories supplied from the DSR. So 29 millimeter cup, which is a standard um, uh, testing part and 17 millimeter above, which is also a standard uh, testing part. And by com combining these two, you have a cup and bob setup of six millimeter, which is standard setup because you use the standard components. Okay, so the setup is ready. Move on to test loading mode. During an elastometer consistency test, a constant shear rate, typically 0.1 reciprocal second, is applied up to a pre, uh, desired preset strain level of one. This type of chosen because PMBs generally shear rate dependent properties because they are non-Newtonian materials. The use of, by using a constant shear rate, we thought we can normalize testing conditions so that we can compare binder A to binder B under the same condition. We are comparing apple to apple. If shear rate changes during the process, then uh, things get complicated. We thought this is a better approach. 
elastomer for elastometer tests, um, normally the um, the target shear rate, say 0.1 reciprocal second, is achieved within 0.2 seconds of starting a test and keep the shear rate to uh, plus minus 5% of the of the target level, which I thought um, was a fairly accurate control, uh, knowing that elastometer was developed about 40 years ago. And the question was that whether DSR can do the same. And the answer was, not only can do the same, actually can do better. Uh, so the shear rate control graph we are looking at in the in this slide, that uh, the red curve is the elastometer shear rate control. As you can see, the moment the test started, the loading started, the shear rate jumped to this target value as planned and maintained a little bit of noise, which is small, fairly, to the end. Okay? Whereas DSR, you can see that the, uh, it has achieved the target shear rate almost instantly, much faster than elastometer. And what is remarkable, remarkable is the noise during the test. And to the end, as you can see, the shear rate is almost like a static, um, which is basically desired. And if I would be really happy if this could be achieved with the elastometer device. Yeah. Okay, so the DSR, although it was not developed for this type of loading, DSR was originally developed for up and down sinusoidal oscillation loading, but um, it's robust enough to control this type of loading, no problem. Okay. Just a reminder that you can send your questions to the question mark below. Okay, so moving on to the development studies. Right. Now the test equipment and binder samples are ready. We have a standard elastometer and we have a possible future elastometer. And we have 23 samples uh, to validate whether this works. Okay. We thought that um, we need to develop the new DSR procedure step-by-step, step, starting from stage one, could be optimization process. These are basically um, um, trial and error approach uh, using some selected binders from the binder set and try various different procedure until you think that uh, you have one you have a procedure that is promising. Once you have done that, then you can move on to stage two and validate the proposed procedure using the full range of a binder set. Um, and if you are lucky, you can complete your project work in stage two because the, the proposed procedure just works. Uh, that wasn't the case for my um, my project. Um, we it well, the results were okay, but we found some points that could be improved further. Okay, so we did that uh, that. Uh, they improve the test procedure as necessary. And because you change the procedure, you have to repeat the validation work all over again. That's how I ended up having a working DSR consistent 6% test method. Okay. Um, some review of the stage one work. It was a basically trial and error approach. So therefore I learned a lot from uh, stage one work. Uh, I'm just giving you two important lessons uh, I got from stage one work. The first one was test sample and parts pre-eating temperature. Okay. During elastometer tests, um, the test molds are heated in hot oven, typically at 180 degrees, which is quite hot, prior to hot binder being poured into the, uh, into the mold. 
This was obviously to ensure that the binder sticks to the metal surface of the mold better because we know that the binder sticks when the you know, things are hot. You don't you don't expect that binder sticks well to cold metal surface. That's same for uh, elastometer tests. Uh, we obviously heated the, the cup amber parts to to um, to hot temperature like that. But at, at the at the first um, trials, we used um, 130 or 150 degree temperatures because we thought that's going to be hot enough. But that wasn't the case. Um, when we tested um, highly modified elastomeric PMBs like A15E, those range of temperature was found to be not hot enough, resulting in low um, consistency DSR result because binder did not binder have partial bonding debonding during testing. So did some trial and error, found that 170 temperature is the temperature that we have to use to ensure good addition. So as a result of this little investigation, uh, we, we included 170 degree printing uh, step uh, to the DSR test procedure. Now, lesson number two, test sample cooling, the other spectrum. Uh, during elastometer test, samples are cooled to room temperature for two hours prior to testing. When we conducted some initial DSR tests, I thought I can just skip this process because it uh, take up time quite a lot. Uh, by not doing it, I thought uh, we can finish the testing uh, quicker than uh, the other case, uh, which is desired for, for, you know, for routine testing. Now, when that happened, however, uh, for when we used this approach to test a 35 p grade PMB, which contain EVA polymer, showed that the, um, the polymer in this sample crystallized during the elastometer cooling step. Okay? That's the, the nature of the polymer, EVA polymer. Now, because for DSR test, we did not cool the sample, the same binder did not have polymer structure in it. So therefore, even though it appeared to be the same sample, DSR results were much lower than elastometer result. And we figured out that that was because of the polymer crystallization. So whether you like it or not, we had to include a cooling step into DSR test procedure. And from some trial and error uh, tests, we found that uh, doing it for 15 minutes is enough to mimic the two hour cooling period in elastometer. Okay, that resulted in an, an inclusion of a cooling step to the DSR test procedure. Okay, so that's how uh, we found some appear to be promising test procedure for stage two. Okay, so based on the stage one finding, uh, we thought the following procedure should work. It's a curb and bob setup using a six millimeter gap and use constant shear loading, uh, loading mode directly replicating elastometer shear rate loading mode and include 170 degree preheating step as well as 20 degree cooling step. And when you get the result from the SR test, you calculate the result. You, you calculate consistent 6% result uh, exactly the same way as the elastometer consistent 6% result. Okay, so we are confident that this will work. So we initiated the 23 binder validation study. And the result was this. Okay, so for 23 binder samples, which is represented by each data point, we have elastometer consistency result 
and we have candidate DSR consistency 6% results. Okay. Um, I um, added some information on data points, um, some interesting data points. For example, um, these two binder, A35P and A15E, these are two binders that were used for the previous TMR DSR elastometer study, which did not show good correlation. Okay? So this new, by using this new DSR test method, I was able to uh, make the, the produce DSR results which are matching to elastometers even for these two binders. Okay? So that means um, we probably resolved the problem. Okay? Some other interesting data points, like these two data points. Uh, these were commercial product, uh, one A15E and uh, A10E. And when we prepared these samples, uh, we found that there were some polymer lumps, noticeably big polymer lumps, which could not be dispersed back into the, um, the binder. Uh, the standard um, Ostro's test method says that if you see that kind of thing, stop testing and basically discard the sample. That was how it was. But uh, for this project, for research purposes, we included these two samples because um, we thought uh, maybe it would be nice if the test method works for uh, the, the polymer segregate uh, susceptible binder as well. So we included the, uh, these two binders regardless, and this the R square value is the case to include this uh, appear to be strange binder. Okay? Um, the binders a bit deviated from the other trend. That means that actually the polymer segregation can affect test results. Okay. Now, so the as you, you saw from the previous graph, the correlation was excellent. R square of 99. That's probably the highest you can get. But uh, I wasn't too happy with one thing, that the um, DSR test result on average was 14% higher than matching elastometer result. I know this because the slope of the fitted line was 1.14, whereas the slope of a line of unity is uh, has a slope of one. Okay? And thought about it and thought that um, you know ideally it would be nicer if the SR test could produce the result which are numerically identical to elastometer result. So therefore, we thought there is a room to improve by conducting some further work. So we move on to stage two, stage three. Okay, um, during stage two validation work, we used the shear rate of 0.1 because that is numerically identical shear rate to elastometer test conditions. Um, what we know about bituminous binder is that they are known to be shear thinning. So therefore, we thought that, okay, uh, instead of 0.1 shear rate, maybe we can, we can use a slightly faster shear rate. If we do, then the result will be lower. That means we can approach the elastometer number. It means the, uh, the pitted line is going to be closer to the um, line of unity. So conducted some preliminary tests and found that OE appears that 0.15 shear rate, which is only slightly faster than Point one should be able to produce the same numerical result as elastometers. So that was the only condition required for changing. Um, and while the um, other test conditions like sample cooling or preheating remain the same, but still um, it's a different uh, different test conditions. Therefore, we have to repeat the validation study. 
So this is the result of the second round of validation. Um, the same way, it's a, the same way as the previous graph that the elastometer is on your x-axis, whereas the DSR consistency result on y-axis. Okay, the R-scale value correlation is quite good, like the stage two um, correlation graph. That the one thing to note is the slope of the fitted line now is much closer to one, as you can see from this blue line, which is almost overlapping with the red line, which is the line of unity. Okay. Uh, you may have noticed that the number of data sets in this graph is less than the previous uh, correlation graph. So this one includes 18 data points, whereas the previous one includes 23 data points. The reason was that um, when I conducted stage three research, um, unfortunately, um, four five binders, I did not have any sample left over. So we could not conduct those five binders uh, under this revised condition. Um, however, uh, I had some other information that we that uh, enabled to estimate what would have been the result if I could test those five binders under this revised condition, and that result, the estimation, uh, the prediction analysis results are presented in the black dot points, five black dot points in the graph. So basically, it means that um, if we could test those, that would agree with the the uh, the, the presented um, correlation, okay, giving more confidence that the DSR test works. All right, so this is the final slide, a summary and conclusions. So we have new DSR tests test that will be able to produce consistent 6% number, which is identical, which are identical to elastometer consistent number. So we carefully controlled the test conditions so that the DSR results will give the same numerical number as elastometer, and that was validated uh, using a wide range of different binders. Um, the information on the test procedure is provided in the uh, OSTROS project report, which includes an appendix, uh, a draft OSTROS test method, which was formulated based on the Anton Pa. Uh, MCR DSR because that was the one used for this study and the Covember obviously the Covember set of available for that particular DSR. So the next step I think is that um, the draft test procedure can be used as a basis for future test method development work which also considers, considers different DSR models and DSR equipment available from other manufacturers. Okay, that's the. That was the last um, slide, and really the takeaway from the pro, this presentation is this: it appears the routing performance of PMB in Australia can continue to be um, evaluated as effectively, even though the um, DSR instrument becomes obsolete in the near future. Okay, thank you for listening, and uh, probably the question time. Yeah, thank you. Um, thanks so much. Fantastic project. Thanks for such a detailed presentation. Um, we have a few questions and I will start with, um, uh, hello Robert. So Robert is joining us for the Q&A. Thanks so much for that. Hello Ekaterina. Um, hello. Um, so I'm taking us to slide 22 where you talked about binder samples. Oh, didn't work. 
right. So here's the slide. Um, and the question is, so was binder H a proprietary binder or a lab blend? It was a proprietary commercial product. Okay. Thank you. And it's, uh, it has been trialed in Victoria Somer. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that was a quick response. So next one is uh, slide 26. Uh, where you were talking about parallel plate setup. And there are two questions in relation to this slide. Um, so question one, uh, crumb rubber was identified as the reason for not using parallel plates. So Florida asphalt um, rubber binder asphalt, asphalt rubber SEC 916-2, um, FDOT specs uh, 2021, um, requested testing of uh, crumb rubber binders with parallel plates and two millimeter gap. So what is your opinion on this? Are they doing it all wrong? No, I don't think so. I mean, um, the, what, uh, let's see. I did my own study and compared crumb rubber with one millimeter gap and two millimeter gap parallel plate in uh, some years of which I some years ago and the number wasn't too different right now, then I thought that, that that's probably because rubber is quite soft okay right so compared to the softness the, the how hard binder is at 60 degree rubber may be um, 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 soft so that you can the property you are measuring with the two millimeter gap which is still narrow maybe not too off the real property right okay however the, what do I say? Uh, you need to think of the case that um, that's because the accidentally that rubber size that I used for my study can happen to be quite small. Maybe it was 0.5 millimeter in the case. Okay, right. so depending on whether the if the rubber is really really small and you screen the size and control and the rubber size not too small, maybe two millimeter is all right. You you still have reasonable data, but we need to think of the case that um, um, some product may contain bigger size rubber particles, and moreover, in the future it is possible that some binders may contain, contain some particles that is solid, not as rubbery, okay? Right. So for that reason, including overall, we thought it is much better to aim for the new DSR test method to have a large gap instead of two millimeter, which may or may not work depending on how, the type of uh, material. And it wasn't too hard to find a setup that is providing much larger gap, gap than two millimeter. Okay. That was the reason we chose um, the carbon bob setup for, for my, my project. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, e. Katarina, I'd just like to add something. As far as I remember, um, the size of the rubber used, particularly in the US, varies quite a lot with California using very large size rubber. Arizona a bit um, smaller than that, which is larger than the size that we use. And Florida, I think, even uses a finer rubber so that using a two millimeter gap with a finer rubber, as Young said, probably won't make as much difference. But if you use a very large Californian rubber, it, it's, it's better to have a wider gap. Thank you, um, Robert. And the second part of that question, 
Um, so non-homogeneous binders can easily separate uh, within the large mass um, used in the test, which runs for a long period of time. So what's your opinion um, on testing new binders uh, with recycled materials that are prone to separation? Um, that's going to be a big trouble for all recycled um, the, um, the the different type of modifier. Um, for the um, in the case in case of I'm sorry, uh, the Australian practice is that uh, for for the chrome rubber modified binder, you need to constantly circulate the binder in the tanker, the transport tanker, so that rubber rubber uh, what is called um, is like a, a flowing rubber is flowing inside the binder. Uh, that one you can uh, Robert can add um, in a more professional opinions on that one. Um, I think I think there might be different degrees of non-homogeneous binder. I mean, this test isn't very long, and the sample essentially cools down to 60 degrees, which will stop any sort of segregation in the test. Um, if a binder's that prone to segregation that it'll segregate within minutes, it might actually really be hard to use on the road because you might end up with a layer of molten plastic on the top and bitumen down the bottom, and it mightn't be possible to spray it. But in terms of the half an hour that it takes to do the test, you would hope the binder was stable over that time period. That's right. Yeah, I, I, mis I misunderstood the question. I thought you are talking about the segregation during transport, but actually, um, it's a you are talking about segregation, segregation during, during test. testing. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I okay. got. It. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, um, the once the sample is poured into the sample and put bonding, then we need to uh, lower the temperature as quickly as possible. And the DSR temperature control system is fairly robust, and it doesn't take too too long. To lower the temperature with that much speed, um, I assume because we know the chrome rubber is have, uh, is not like a chrome chrome rubber has similar density to the um, what's that the, the binder. So therefore, I don't think it's going to separate that quickly, right? But for the case that um, you use some different type of modifier like waste-based plastic, which will probably most more susceptible to sink or flood or something, uh, then then um, you have more worries than just the conducting test. That will cause the transportation and other like the explosion of the tanker or things like that. So that, that's that's uh, that's a bigger worry than how to conduct whether the test result is reasonable or not. Mm -hmm, thank you. Um, a couple of questions in relation to binders for writing. So. Um, do you have any writing measurement available for various types of binders? And what is the best binder uh, for writing? Um, maybe we go to the the slide. Which one? Um, what was the, uh, the slide number was slide 14. 14. Here we go. Yeah, so um, for, um, just for the sake of rutting, um, these are the Australian grade, but I mean, uh, in general, these are very hard between very highly modified SVS PMB. Uh, Where's A certified? Uh, there must be somewhere, there's a, okay, I think this either this one or that one. The A35P, which use plastomer modifier instead of elastometer modifier, are 
those that will be very good at rutting, very, mm -hmm. very good at stopping rutting. In a broad I sense, think, yeah. yeah. In terms of Young's question, we've we've actually tried to calibrate the uh, elastometer with a number of different asphalt mix designs, and over the years we've done a correlation between consistency six percent and asphalt wheel tracking by the Cooper's wheel tracking test in about six asphalt mix designs. And if you look at that slide, there's a reference uh, where Young's um, summarised all the results. In each mix design, you get a different trend with the binders, but in each case, the consistency 6% parameter has been able to um, predict that. And as Young said, the best performing binders in terms of rutting, not in terms of cracking, are things like the A35P, the EVA binders, and crumb rubber binders are also extremely good in terms of rut resistance. Thank you. Um, next question doesn't relate to any particular slide. Oh, no, so it's the bulb and cap. Um, the accuracy of the gap between the bulb and cap setup uh, 6.1 suggests sensitivity. How do you centralize the bulb and um, cap to ensure the gap is equal all around? So what was the sensitivity? Yeah, um, that one require further study that um, but I mean, engineering sense that um, the difference in geometry like that should be able to be accounted for by the calculation. That's what the engineering parameter is. If you use bigger one, you divide by bigger area, so therefore the number is the same. But um, that's 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 in theory. I mean, in reality, I believe there must be some effect of whether using large gap or smaller gap or large bob or large cup. So. I guess the best approach to you, best approach to have consistent result across different, you know, the device or things is to to use the setup that is as close as possible to the um the setup that was used for this study. Yeah. Yeah, Ekaterina, if the question was about how did we know that the bulb was in the right space in the cup, um. We've assumed that it, the DSR is a high precision instrument by, by competent companies, which can control shear rate very well. And mm. we have assumed that they know how to put one thing in the middle of the other thing. I'm sure they can do that, all the DSR supplies. Thank you. Um, just one question came in. Uh, where do you think A5E and EME2 would seed compared to A10E writing? Uh, I believe it will be very fairly comparable to A10E or slightly to the better side of the better side. That means uh, to the to the. Can you see my picture? Yeah. The uh, the. Okay. So put this way. Um. The higher the consistency is better. Uh, I believe A5E will have a higher consistency than uh, A10E, for example, but that depending on how you formulate the binder, whether the, the base binder is much harder or something. So it would be a case by case, but um, the, the design concept was that A5E is meant to be a little bit more modified and need to be more stiffer. So therefore I expect the higher consistency number, which means that better rot resistant. And the EME as well, uh, it's a very, very uh, stiff, uh, non-modified bitumen, so therefore it will be fairly comparable to the um, the highest uh, possible um, 
highest floating uh, resistant binder you can have, for example, in this graph. Thank you. Um, Robert, do you have anything to add? Uh, I was just going to say one, one thing we have found in these studies when we've had a look is that if you have a look at the bottom of that plot, it sort of levels out. Uh, so the consistency is sort of a measure of hardness, but the rutting becomes less sensitive once you get a certain hard binder and making it harder improves the rutting a little bit, but it, it's not a major change. But those binders will be up towards the top where the A10E A is in that graph. Yeah, that will be the class I, that will be the class A binders, EME and um, A5E. Um, thank you, Jan. Well, I think we've answered all the questions we had. Um, we still have seven minutes left. Maybe we will give our audience uh, 30 seconds to think of um, some other questions and send them through. Um, we'll just wait a little bit if, if there is anything else uh, they would like to um, ask about. I think the presentation was so detailed that you've covered it all. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Okay, so no more questions um, coming in. Uh, thanks so much, Robert and Jan. I will just change the slides towards our future webinars. Uh, this one, so you can see um, all our scheduled um, webinars. Um, yes, people just um, sending through their thanks for organizing this presentation. So again, thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so you could yeah, you. you can um, so you can see all our future webinars on your screen. I just wanted to draw your attention, particularly to one session. Um, that we will have on the 6th of October. Um, we will talk about new specifications for cramp rubber binders for use in asphalt um, and seals. And for more information and to register, please visit our website. Um, just one, one more question came in. Um, have you tested hybrid binders containing both elastometers and plastometers? Uh, el Elastomers and plastomers, sorry. Both elastomer and plastomer. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether they... Yes, we have the the special binder that was a mixture ah, of right. of crumb rubber and waste plastic. The crumb rubber is an elastomer and the um, waste plastic is a plastomer. So yes, we That's have true. done one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we have done one, yeah. Yep, thank you. And one more question. Um, so slide 14. Slide 14 again. Um, so what is the percentage of SBS in 10E binder? S10E? A10E? Uh, A10E is 10, typically, 10 yeah, yeah. Six, typically six got between, yeah, five and six percent. Yep, all right. Um, okay, thank you very much. And I think we can finish for today. 
Uh, thanks again, everybody. Um, as usual, uh, when we close out today's session, a uh, questionnaire will pop up on your screen. So please take a couple of minutes to um, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what um, suggestions you have for future webinars. And once again, um, today's session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is published on our website. Uh, thanks again, stay, um, stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.